0: midst of worship, when John got up and started talking about seeing angels dancing in the room, I mean, today I'm talking about angels and, um, you know, about how angels operate in our life. We're, we're in the midst of, of a series just looking at spiritual warfare, what it means to be at war, and, and last week we talked about our three main enemies, according to the Bible, are the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we talked about the world and the flesh last week, and the truth of the matter is the devil uses the world and the flesh to fight against us. And I thought before I go and I start talking about the activities of, you know, we wrestle out against flesh and blood, against principalities, ruler, rulers of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, I thought it would probably be good if we had a foundation to understand the good angels before we start talking about the bad angels. It's kind of like the $20 bill I talked about last week. And, um, and so I've been... Well, for the past couple of months, uh, my own personal study, not for anybody else, but for me, I've been studying angels, reading um, the doctrine of angels, reading lots of books. In fact, it's interesting, last night as I was sitting down, and, or yesterday afternoon, as I was sitting down and, and still mulling over my notes, and I had so many notes that we're going to talk about angels for the next three weeks. Um, the Lord reminded me, I have, a, I have an aunt, we all have aunts, I have an aunt. And, and an uncle that uh, have had a great influence on my life. My uncle Harry, who will be ninety years old this month, um, incredible man of God. Uh, started uh, young life in South America. Started in Brazil. Lived at Labrie with Francis Schaefer for a year. Uh, he and my aunt became very good friends with Francis and Edith. Uh, taught at Wheaton College and eventually uh, became the international director of Young Life, and then eventually ended up pastoring John Knox Presbyterian Church in Seattle. And um, my aunt has written a number of books, his wife, and uh, Discovering How to Pray, all, all published by Zondervan. But one of the books um, she wrote was called When Angels Appear. And as I'm sitting on the couch, I'm going, wait, my aunt wrote a book about angels. I read a long time ago, and so I went to my library and found the book, and I sat down and I read it again yesterday. And uh, not that I'm a speed reader, but it's a short book. And, uh, and uh, in her book, because of her encounter with angels, now this is a Reformed non-Pentecostal aunt, okay? So she doesn't swim in the same stream I swim in, even though we're all in the same river. And, um, and she, there's 50 different stories that she has about um, encounters with angels, a uh, s- couple of them with her, uh, you know, she, she tells the story of how they're in South America, how the storm come, and there's a prayer meeting in the church, and the storm was so strong that the main stained glass window got blown into the sanctuary right where the kids were in a prayer circle and came down on top of them, and um, when none of the kids were hurt and the glass was in a perfect circle around the kids, and and it, I get the picture. I don't know if you've ever seen The Incredibles, you know. But it's the, the little girls can do the force field, you know. So you have this angel. This goes, and she tells this story about um, one of the young men that they was in one of their young life groups. Um, some one of their friends' family had a swimming pool, and he always wanted to swim at night. And so they were out of town. And he thought now's my perfect chance. I'm gonna go to their house and just go swimming. And so he gets up on the diving board. It's dark outside. He gets on the dive board, he's ready to jump in the pool, and he looks down, and there's a glimmering cross at the bottom of the pool. It's shining. And so he's curious, so he gets down, and he kneels at the edge of the pool, and he looks, and it's an angel laying in the bottom of the pool with his arms stretched out. So he wanted to put his hand into the water to see if he could feel anything of the water with an angel in there. The deal was, there was no water in the pool. The people had drained the pool before they went on vacation... And if he hadn't seen the angel on the bottom, he would have dived into an empty pool. And just stories like that of angels who have intervened in the lives of people. And here's, here's the reality that angels are some of the most common, and, and characters is probably not the right word, but uh, players. Let's say players. Angels are some of the most common players throughout the Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testament alike. You know, there are 91 different accounts in the Old Testament where we have angels guiding, protecting, warring, and messaging. Not texting, but messaging. (laughs) We also, in the New Testament, we have 178 different occurrences of angels announcing, rescuing, and doing battle. So that's, and that's according to Strong's Concordance, we have 269 biblical accounts of the existence of angels and yet, sadly, most believers don't know much about angels and don't think much about angels. And I was just wondering today, as John was on his knees singing, you know, this, this word of the Lord, how angels are dancing around us, I wondered how many of us seriously were listening to what he was singing, and how many of us seriously believed that right now in this room, angels were doing their thing. And I always picture that but my problem is I try to picture what does it really look like and how many are really in here you know um but the reality is we are surrounded by angels everywhere and so I want to talk over the next couple of weeks to, h- to help us understand the role that angels play and let me tell you why I'm going that you know uh, going there because I believe we are at a crossroad in history um There's a shift taking place in the heavenlies and on this planet. The shift in the heavenlies, we prayed about part of it today. The great outpouring, the great revival of many coming to Christ before the end. And I believe the the call, Azusa now, is going to be the launch pad for that. I believe that what happens that day. I mean, understand, if we have 110,000 Christians show up in a stadium, big deal. We're really good at showing up to events. But if we have 60,000 Christians show up and 50,000 unbelievers show up and we see demonized people get set free, we see the lame walk and the blind sea, and we see salvations, and that becomes a launch pad of what goes to the nations throughout the world. You know, the great revival, the last great revival in our nation, people would consider the Jesus movement to be more of a movement than a revival. The last great revival was Azusa Street. And it was prophesied by William Seymour that within... A, that In about 100 years after Azusa Street, there would be another great revival that would hit America and hit the world. And on April 9th, it's the 110th anniversary of the Azusa Street revival. So I believe that's all going to break loose. But here's what happens when revival comes. Warfare becomes intense. The forces of darkness get really upset because it reminds them that they've already lost And so I want us to understand that when we fight this battle, first of all, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, but Scripture shows us how God sends ministering angels to go on our behalf and to battle with us or to battle for us. And there's all kinds of accounts throughout Scripture of what angels have done and how angels still operate today. And so as we talk about spiritual warfare, as we get into spiritual armament and the things Paul teaches us about, I want us to understand the role that angels play in this. Um, and then we'll understand the good angels and the bad angels. And so for the next couple weeks, we're talking about good angels. We're talking about the good guys, because I feel like if we understand the good guys, it's easy to discern the bad guys. Let me say that again. If we understand the good guys, it's easy to discern the bad guys. It's like if you know the real $20 bill, it's easy to discern the counterfeit. And so, but a couple of things before we start that we just need to set the ground for, and that number one is that, we never, ever worship angels. It's unbiblical. In fact, you have, if, if you've studied Revelation in the 22nd chapter, I mean, John is just, I would be exhausted if I was John, quite frankly. All the, the visions over and over and over again, the end of the world that he's seen all that, and now this angel shows up again, and John is so overwhelmed by this guy that shows up, he falls on the ground and starts to worship him. And the angel says, whoa, whoa, buddy, get up. Get up. <laughs> he said, don't do that. Very clear. He says, for I'm your fellow servant and your brethren, and of your brethren the prophets, which is an incredible line to me. The angel says, I am of your brethren the prophets. And if you think about it, what do prophets do? Prophets bring the word of the Lord to the body of Christ. When angels show up as messengers, they're bringing the word of the Lord to the body of Christ. So even the angel identifies himself and says, I am of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Then he says, here's, here's what you do. You worship God. Okay, so we don't worship angels. At any time, we don't bow down. We don't worship them. Um, the other thing is we don't pray to angels. You know, we pray we're t- over, over and over again. We're taught when you pray, ask the Father in Jesus' name, and the Father will move. So we don't pray to angels. We can ask God to send angels. We can talk to about God about angels, but we don't pray to angels because angels are created to respond to God not to respond to men. I'm going to show you throughout the Bible over and over again what it says. So let's talk about, number one, who are, ang- are angels, where these guys come from. And it is interesting to note that every reference to an angel in Scripture is masculine. And so the conclusion is, although the Bible doesn't tell us that there's boy angels and girl angels, we pretty much assume that all angels are male, and even though they're genderless. In their appearance, uh, they're male. And so, here's what the psalmist tells us about the creation of angels. Psalms 148, verses 1 through 5. He says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created so this whole list that the psalmist just admonished to praise to exalt he says all of you in that list the sun the moon the stars the rain the waters above the earth the angels were all created interesting thing is we don't know who wrote this psalm so it was just some guy who had a cool song and uh, it was anointed enough to be considered the word of the lord included in scripture and so we angels are called to praise god um, and when angels were created we don't know we don't know if angels were created the day before God said, in the beginning. or We don't know if angels existed for, because there's no time, however long of eternity. You know, whenever God talks about time, is from age to age. And so we don't know how many ages the angels existed before or if they got created just before. We don't know that, but we do know this, that angels are created. In, in Job, one of these great passages, Job 38, says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars, angels, sang together, and all the sons of earth shouted for joy, that, which is a question. Who did all that? Where were you when all that happened? So they were created. Angels were created prior, we're told, to the creation of earth. So we know they've existed longer than the heavens and the earth as God created and now have existed. And so, and the agent of their creation, according to scripture, is specifically stated to be Jesus. This is first, I mean, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word, the word is with God, the word was God. All, all, <clears throat> he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was nothing made that was made. So we're just told angels are created. We're just told that all things are created by Jesus and through him. So Jesus plays the main role in the creation of angels. And so, in the Colossians says this, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Which is one of those verses that could blow your mind, because when he says principalities and powers, you know, evil and good were all created for him. So God has a purpose in everything he's created. He even uses fallen angels to his glory, to his benefit. Angels were instantly created in an innumerable company or host. So here's, here's what the scripture tells us. Unlike human beings or the animal kingdom, where it takes two to make one, or two or three, however many come out in that ordeal. But it takes a man and a woman to create one child, or two or three, however it's born. God, according to Scripture, just said, let there be angels. And there were hosts, myriads and myriads. We have no idea how many angels there are. Scripture says, in fact, let me read you what what the Bible says. Um, So Nehemiah 9.6 says, you alone are the Lord. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their hosts. The earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve them all the hosts of heaven worship you. So all these hosts, it goes on to say that they're innumerable, they were created before creation. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So here's what we know about angels. We only know three angels that have names. One's Gabriel, one's Michael, and one's Lucifer. And... Two are good guys, one's a bad guy. And, you know, whenever there's a bad person in Scripture, they pretty much ruin a name forever. I know a lot of Michael's. I know a lot of Daniel's. I don't know any Lucifer's, you know. I don't know any Delilah's, you know. Does anybody name their daughter Delilah? Does anybody name their daughter Jezebel? No. Judas? Does anybody name their son Judas? No. Once a name is ruined in Scripture, it's ruined. And thank God for that. So Michael Munoz needs to be glad that it was Lucifer that fell and not Michael because <laughs> we'd, have a, we'd have a problem here <laughs> so all we know is three angels have names our assumption is this and again we're going to talk more about what, what oftentimes people interpret scripture from silence which is a dangerous thing to do but sometimes we can draw conclusions from silence so it tells us in Ezekiel that when Lucifer who made music when he walked who was called the morning star when he fell, it says a third of the hosts of heaven fell with him. So what the conclusion we draw from silence is that Lucifer oversaw a third of the angels who were the worshipers, who were under him. He, he, you know, I, I can't picture what it is to, to make music when you walk. I hum when I walk, but I don't think that's what they meant. Then we have um, Michael. Michael. Um, Who is the archangel Who is the warring angel And the assumption is that there are a third of the angels of heaven Under the guidance of Michael Who are warring angels And there's Gabriel who's the messenger angel And many times we have messenger angels show up in scripture And it's not Gabriel And so from silence a conclusion has been made But we can't say absolutely So I can't stand here and tell you for sure That one third of the angels Were governed by Lucifer Or under the orders of Lucifer One third under Gabriel and one third under Michael However That conclusion has been drawn by many. But we do know for sure that a third of the angels fell when Lucifer fell. That we know for sure because that's what Scripture says. And so this innumerable company, and here's what innumerable is different from infinite. Infinite means you can never find the beginning or the end. Innumerable means there are so many that it would take you more time than you have to count them. So there is an exact number of angels, don't get me wrong. There is the last angel, but there are so many of them it would take you forever to count them. And so, and again, we don't know how many. We don't know exactly what innumerable is. We assume how many it is. So let's just say there's more than we can count. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to count to a million, but I'm sure there's more than a million. I'm sure there's more than a billion. I'm sure there's billions upon billions of angels. That, uh, And, you know, people who have seen angels, and we'll talk about that, have always seen them as big. Nobody's ever seen a puny guy. They always show up pretty mighty. So and that's the other thing. When, when John's singing about angels dancing in the room, I'm going, are they bumping into each other? Do they have these moves if they know how to? So, and that's just silly Rick, but that's how... That's how God and I roll. So here's what we know. Angels are spirit beings. Um, they have at times been given the ability to re- reveal themselves in the form of human bodies. So in other words, even though they're angels, they take on the appearance of humans. Um, you know, the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, the two angels that, that came, had the appearance of men. Right here in Genesis, um, when Abraham is an old guy, and Sarah's an old woman, and three guys, he sees three guys in the distance coming towards his house, he runs out to greet them, one is called the angel of the Lord, so many, we, we assume that that's the pre-incarnate Jesus, with two other angels, but they come in male form, they come in human form, and and, and Abraham invites them in, and you know the story, the angel said, you know, a year from now, um, your wife is going to have a baby, and uh it says that Sarah's back cooking dinner, and she's laughing on the inside. And the angel of the Lord says, Sarah, why, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. And he goes, oh, yes, you did laugh. And so you had that scenario where angels showed up. So, and here he is, Genesis 18-2. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, actually angels. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. So the writer of Hebrews describes angels as spirits. says this, but to which of the angels has he ever said, meaning God, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So right here, the writer of Hebrews are saying angels are not God. They have not been given the authority to sit at the right hand of God, but angels do have a purpose and they are sent forth to minister on behalf of those who will inherit salvation. So how many of you have asked Jesus to come into your heart? How many are, are saved? Those angels are there to minister on your behalf, to you and for you. And so I don't know how many we each have. We'll talk about guardian angels next week. might talk about them a little this week, but um, because there are even those who say guardian angels are a bunch of hogwash. But I think we have enough in Scripture to say that even hogs need to be washed. But we have enough in Scripture you know, that says that um, we, we do have angels that watch over us personally. So number two, angels do not function as human beings in terms of marriage and procreation. We talked about that a little bit. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew and in Mark. says, for in the resurrection, now this is talking about you and I. This is one of my wife's least favorite passages in Scripture. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. And so we're hoping we're we're married forever and that when we're in heaven, we're still. But some say that, you know, when you go to heaven, we're all just married to Jesus. And so that's all the marriage there needs to be, which is cool. I kind of like marriage this way, but we'll see. But he says, are not given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven, of God in heaven. Jesus says the same thing in Mark. Jesus answered and said to them, are you not therefore mistaken? Because do you not know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. So we know the angels don't marry. They're not given in marriage. um, They're not male and female. We also know that angels are not subject to death. Jesus says this in Luke 20. Nor can they die anymore, for they're equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So angels are not subject to the limitations of man, especially since they are incapable of death. And let me put a footnote here. We're talking about good angels, okay? When we talk about bad angels, the rules change. The whole approach changes. But good angels don't die. I and mean, What do they need to die for? They're created. They're eternal. They're created to minister. They, they live forever. Okay, Um Also, mankind, which includes Jesus as a man. We all all believe that, right? When Jesus came as a man, he subjected himself to the flesh and subjected himself to every temptation that you and I ever encounter. So when Jesus came as a man, we have to accept and believe that he was fully man. He never did anything in his humanity as God because then that would have disqualified him legally to be our challenger To take back which Adam had relinquished to Satan. So, Jesus as a man, it says this in Hebrews What is man that you are mindful of him, or the Son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. So, while we are in our flesh and blood, we're a little lower than the angels. But when we die and go to heaven, according to scripture, we're going to judge the angels. So then because we're seated at the right hand of Jesus, angels can't be seated at the right hand of God. We can't. It says that we are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So right now as humans, they have more authority in the heavenlies and on earth than we do, although we have great authority because they minister for us. But when we are, when we are in our resurrected body, when we have come and, and the judgment day comes, we will be the ones with God who judge angels. And quite frankly, good angels aren't going to be judged. We just kind of need to know that. What are we going to judge them for? You know? Are we going to judge them for beating up the bad guys? No, we will judge the bad guys. We, we will, according to Scripture, we will, God, judge the angels. But right now, we're a little bit lower than the angels. Um, angels are not all-knowing, so they're not omnipotent or omniscient like God is. Again, the Bible says this, Matthew 24, 6. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And this, this should have been read. This is Jesus speaking when the disciples said, so when are you coming back? We, we know you're going away. When are you coming again? And Jesus says, look it. My Father, I, Jesus as a man, do not know. I can't tell you. I don't know the date. My Father in heaven knows the date. He's got it all worked out. Not even the angels who are the ones who go. And if you read Revelation, angels play a big role in the end. Angels are kicking a lot of butt in the end. And so they don't even have their orders yet about when they're going to be released and to go and to bring about those things that God has prophesied will come to pass. So angels don't know everything. Angels only know what God reveals to them. They only know what God has given them to know. Okay? Uh, Angels have a greater power far beyond our abilities in this present age. Again, this is what the Bible says. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. There's a couple of things I like about this story. A couple of questions I have, too. Was the angel so powerful that when he landed? I mean, first of all, there's spirits. But, I mean, he's sitting. So there is a physical aspect to this. So when this angel comes and touches the earth, is that what causes the earthquake? Because listen to what it says. There was a great earthquake for. That means because an angel at the time of this earthquake, an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. Then the angel rolls back the stone. And I just love this picture. It's like he goes, and then it's kind of like conquering your enemy, and then you just sit on him. He sits on the stone, and what's he sitting on the stone for? He's waiting for somebody to show up so he can tell him what happened. You know, he didn't stand there and lean against it and go, da, 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 when are they going to get here? He sits, on, I just love that picture. I don't know if you guys do in the Bible what I do, but I like to, to play picture stories in my, in my brain. And so they have this, this ability. And here's what Peter says when Peter is teaching about angels. He says, whereas angels who are greater and in power and might than the wicked, including fallen angels, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So he's talking about although angels have power and authority, angels are not given the ability or the permission to judge. Angels are not going to judge us. We're going to judge them. And so even though they have great power and authority, even though they're mighty, um, it goes on and it says um, in Revelation eighteen twenty one. then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea. So we have these pictures. These guys are strong. They're mighty. And even though they have great power, we also know they're limited in power. So this is one of the things, the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. The angel come and is talking to Daniel. Now understand the story. Daniel has decided to fast and pray because he's read the prophet Jeremiah. He knows the 70 years are up. He's saying, okay, God, the 70 years are up. What now? Do we just pack our suitcases and walk out the door? Because the, the end of the prophecy has come. What are you going to do? So Daniel says, I put I, I You determined to fast in prayer. My fast was I ate no savory food. I ate no bread you know, and I just waited upon the Lord. It doesn't say that I, Daniel, thought, okay, God, I'm going to do a 21-day fast, and they'll someday call it a Daniel fast, but I'm going to do a 21-day fast, and please answer me within 21 days. No, Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to fast and pray until he had understanding of what the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy meant for Israel at that moment. In fact, the angel, when the angel appears, says, Daniel, I've come to give you understanding. But on the 21st day of this fast, where Daniel has been just eating, you know, probably water and fruits and vegetables, the angel appears to him and what he says. He says, the moment you started to pray, I get this picture. The moment you started to pray, God came to me and said, here's his answer. Take it to him. Now, I I have a lot of questions about that. I mean, why didn't God just say, Daniel, here's the answer? he I mean, is God, right? I mean, he did in the same, with the same Daniel. He did put his hand down and write something on a wall. He could have just written on a wall for Daniel and said, here's the answer. But he sends an angel with the answer to verbally speak to Daniel and to appear before him. And so we need to understand with this Daniel, the scripture, it's not a vision. It's a reality. There's a real Daniel. There's a real angel. There's a real conversation going on. But here's what the angel tells him. He says, the moment you asked, I would sit with the answer, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, and so this is where we get understanding. Remember I talked about the three angels? Michael is given a title. He not only has a name, but his title is one of the chief princes. One of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So here's the picture. One angel gets a big answer on his way. The principalities over Persia, Israel is in captivity. It started with Babylon, but the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. And so now the, Persia the, 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 the territorial Persian spirits are over this land. And as one angel comes with the answer the princes of Persia, those demonic hosts, those bad angels over Persia are restraining him. Now there's a couple interesting things. Those Those demons could not destroy him. They could not keep the answer from coming. All they could do is kind of like one guy wrestling 30. You can't kill him, but you're going to keep him from getting up off the mat. That's kind of the picture I get. But here's what we know about Michael. Because this one angel couldn't deal with the princes of Persia, Michael shows up, and what happens? They let him go. So either Michael's very intimidating, or he just took however many princes there were, and just tied up a little knot, and threw them away, and said, okay, go. So we do know that even though angels are mighty, and they're strong, they can roll away stone in front of the tomb, cause earthquakes, that one one angel against a bunch of bad angels, you know, um, that they aren't so powerful they can win every time, but they don't lose. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like 182,000 or however many, 185,000. One angel destroyed that many. And here's what withstood meant, to stand firm against, to wrestle. So when he says an angel withstood me, he says these princes of Persia were standing firm against me, wrestling me to prevent me from giving the answer. Now, we have to ask ourselves a question, too. It just has nothing to do. Why were those demonic forces so concerned about Daniel getting the answer? Because they knew it meant they were going to lose territory. They knew they were about to lose something they've held for a while. And then the rest of the story is to tell you. So after he gives the whole story to to Daniel, he says, well, got to go. That's Rick Translation. Because I'm going to go up, and after I finish with the princes of Persia, I have to go encounter the princes of Greece. Now, why would he say that? Because Alexander the Great, the great Greek warrior, would eventually overthrow the Medes and the Persians. So there was going to be a shifting to take place in the heavenlies between the territorial Persian princes, the Greek princes were going to move in, And this one angel, it's not Michael, this one angel says, now I'm going to go back and take care of those boys. Maybe he got really bold because he saw what Michael did. Maybe he learned a few moves, you know. But um (laughs) also at the consumption of the age, redeemed man will be exalted above angels. I already talked about this. 1 Corinthians 6, 3, Paul says, do you not know that we shall judge angels? And so this also means that they're not omnipotent and they can't be everywhere at once. Another thing about angels. Angels were created without sin. And they were in a state of perfect holiness. So even after sin entered the world, God's good angels did not rebel against him. And because of that, they're called holy. Again, this is Jesus talking. He says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed... When he comes in the glory of his father with all the holy angels. So the angels that didn't fall, Jesus gave them the designation as holy. And holy means to be completely set apart. Now, we'll get into the discussion later, but even though angels are created, we do understand this. Created beings, God in his great wisdom, I can't think of the other word, gave the angels the ability to reject him as well. Because when you read the account of Lucifer, Lucifer looked at himself, looked at his beauty, looked at how he was, and and so much pride came into him that he says, I'm going to exalt myself above the throne of God. And so Lucifer by himself was going to overthrow, but the picture we get, and again, this is speaking from silence, is that he said, okay, Guys, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, look at me. Wouldn't you do it too if you were me? If you are as beautiful as I was and made the music I made, wouldn't you think, I mean, God doesn't do what I do. So wouldn't you think I could overthrow him? And so a third of the angels went with them. They made the choice to do that. They willfully chose to follow Lucifer to come against the throne of God, and they all suffer the same consequence that Lucifer suffers. Because you read in Matthew 26, in the, the parable of the sheep and the goats, that when Jesus gets to the goats, he says, depart from you cursed and be cast into the lake of fire created for the devil and his angels. So they suffer the same consequence, the same penalty, because they chose to rebel against God. Um, <clears throat> um, these are uh, the angels that are holy are also called the elect angels. Listen to what Paul says when he writes to Timothy. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Isn't that an amazing statement? Okay, and here's what I'm saying. Peter, I'm giving you a, a good word here. And in the testimony, I'm charging you. I'm, 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 just, I'm encouraging you to go, and here's the testimony. It's the Father, it's the Son, and it's all the elect angels, the holy angels, that you observe the things without prejudice and do nothing without partiality. And this is in contrast to the evil angels who followed Satan in rebellion against God. And again, Matthew 25, not Matthew 26. Then you also say to those who l- at his left hand, depart from me, you curse it, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So we have these two sets of angels. Like I said, I want us to understand the good guys before we look at the bad guys. So angels are also created beings. Um, so they are mere creatures. And it goes back to the first thing I said that we should not worship angels angels are created they're just beings made by god again in revelation when the angel appears to john he says and i john fell at his feet to worship him but he said to me see that you do not do that i am your fellow servant and of the brethren the prophets who have the testimony of jesus worship god and then but it also says that they will never know salvation in fact it's an interesting statement listen to what peter says the angels are thinking about us. He says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who is in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them is revealed that not to themselves, but to us they have ministered by the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you and the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things what the angels desire to look into. So it says the gospel was preached to us, salvation from heaven by the Holy Spirit, and the angels look and go, what is that like? What? We will never know what salvation feels like. We will never know. And they'll never know what grace feels like because they've never sinned but they long to to know what that intimate relationship is because they know, and and not sadly, they know that when the end comes, we will be seated above them. We will be at the right hand of the Father. We will be considered to be co-heirs with Christ Jesus. That's a position they'll never have. It's a position reserved for you and I. So here's what we know about angels. That's just about their character and nature. Now, let's talk about what they do. Number one, angels worship and serve God. That's their primary job. When angels come and minister to us, they're doing it out of the heart that they worship and serve God. Everything an angel does is in response to their servitude to God. God is their authority. Psalm 103, 21 says, Bless the Lord, all ye hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. So the angels go at the pleasure of the Lord. They serve. You know, it's like Esther. Um, here I am. I'm here to serve at the pleasure of the king. It's the same thing with angels. We are here to serve at the pleasure of our king. So we serve at the pleasure of God. Revelation. Angels join in with the 24 elders and the four loving creatures and praise to God. Revelation 5, 11, and 12 says, Then I looked, and this is John talking as he sees this vision. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures, the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So John was saying, I couldn't count them all. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Later on in Revelation 7, John sees the same thing. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Angels also praise God on the earth, not just in heaven, but also on earth, at the birth of Jesus. Who showed up to announce the birth of Jesus? Angels, the heavenly hosts, and they showed up in the earthly realm. They weren't way up in heaven, peering over, announcing down, They announced, the shepherds saw them. They heard the announcement. Luke 2, 13 and 15. And suddenly there's with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. And so remember, one angel comes to them and says, you know, for unto you this day is born in the city of David, who is Savior Christ the Lord. So one angel, one messenger angel showed up to the shepherds. Kind of scary, kind of cool. Wouldn't you like to be just out there among smelly sheep and have an angel show up and go, hey, have I got good news for you? And then, all of a sudden, the sky is full. They not just see the one on the ground. The sky is full of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, saying, by the way, not singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if I could say, I, I think I would be running. Nobody would have to say, hey, let's go, you know. But just in your mind's eye, what does that look like? One angel talks to you, and the heavens are full. And I have a lot of questions. I mean, because this, number one, shepherding was one of the main jobs in that day and that time. And it says shepherds in the field. So does that mean every shepherd in the fields around Jerusalem? Or just one little group of shepherds by one little flock, because it said the heavens were full. I mean, it's just one of those scenes. I would like to say, when I get to heaven?" Can I? Can you rewind that? I just, I just want to watch and see what happens. See, see how they respond. And the other thing is, what do the sheep do? The sheep were singing. Okay. <laughs> Did pregnant mothers give birth all of a sudden? I mean, what happened when they saw all these angels? It's just, those are the things I think about. Angels, bless the Lord, perform his word, serve him, do his will, and obey his voice. Again, Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you, his host, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure." Since angels are to obey the voice of God, we can pray that God will send his angels to protect us. Now, let me just say this, then I'll say what I'm going to say. Angels are sent forth. Um, they're not called forth. Okay? And this is what the Bible says. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering saints sent forth? to minister for those who will inherit salvation. So angels are sent, they're not called. And this word, this Greek word sent, is apostello. Does it sound like any word you know? Like apostolistic? Um. <laughs> apostello is the word when we get apostle. Apostle literally means sent one. It is also the word that's used for missionary. Missionaries are sent apostles are sent ones to go and to take the twelve apostles were called apostles um, yet they're called their journeys are called missionary journeys they were sent and so angels are sent forth they are sent ones we can ask God to summons on our behalf we can say God send forth angels Uh, the people of God pray the Lord hears their praise the Lord sends his angels and the angels do a work we also know that angels obey the word of the Lord so it's not like God says okay angels You know, Rick was just praying, and and there's some stuff going on over the temple, and, and he's just asking for you to go forth. And they go, do we have to do the temple today? You know, I'd rather do APU today. Do I have to do the temple? I mean, they don't have the right to discuss. They're sent. And they respond immediately when the Lord tells them to go. And so it says... Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in his strength, who do his word, heeding his voice. Even Jesus didn't command angels. You remember when he's tempted in the wilderness, you know, and, and um, when, when he, um, uh, he says this. This isn't in the wilderness. I don't know why I said that. But Jesus said this, or do you not think that I cannot pray to my Father And he will provide me with more than 12 legions, which is about 72,000. So he did count those angels. More than 12,000 angels. Now, this Greek word, provide, parstando, means to give or to make a command. So even Jesus, when talking about angels, he didn't say, hey, back off or I'll just call forth the angels. He says, don't you know I can ask my daddy to send 72,000 angels to you right now if I wanted to? Um, and so Jesus do, s- does say that we do have the authority to bind and loose on earth. Here's what he says. Matthew 18:18. 18, 18 Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Binding and loosing and refers to that which is prohibited to be bound or permitted to be released. We believers in Jesus Christ are given authority on earth to bind and to loose. Whatever we prohibit on earth will be forbidden by God. Whatever we permit on earth will be allowable by God. We don't lose angels. We lose God. We ask God to lose that which needs to take place. Now, I talked earlier about speaking from silence. I can t- also say the Bible does not say um, I cannot speak to angels, I, that I can't say angels, please come and help me. And so we have this argument of does because it doesn't say we can't doesn't mean we can't. And there are, there are times in the body of Christ where we have situations. Let's talk about baptism. Okay? Uh, there were argued those who were baptized in the baptism of John and those who were baptized in the baptism of Jesus. And the disciples of John were upset because they were not being baptized in the baptism of, baptism of John. But today we have, we have churches that say you dunk forward. We have churches that say you dunk backwards. We have churches that say you do it three times. We have churches that sprinkle. There are denominations that say, if you weren't baptized when you got saved in our denomination, if you want to be a member of our church, you got to get baptized again. That's right. And so the Bible's silent about all that. The Bible doesn't say forward, backwards, three times sprinkle. It says be baptized. Okay, and so we have to walk in that. And then there are those who um, would argue, and I've, I have engaged in the argument often, That in Genesis it said that God created everything for the benefit of man. It says animals he created for the benefit of man as well as every herb-bearing plant. And so, here it comes. (laughs) So, Christians who think marijuana is okay use that verse. God created it. God created it for me. It's her bearing, so I should be able to do it because God made it for me. Now, would we say that's good logic? We wouldn't. (laughs) But the Bible doesn't say... What's that? It's stretching, yes. The Bible doesn't say don't smoke weed, okay? So I must be able to. So... Back and forth, and, and and I have to tell you, I argue with a guy who, who flew over Cuba. His plane got brought down by the Cuban government. He stayed in the Cuban prison. The guy happened to be Janet's cousin. Was in a Cuban prison for flying drugs, and when he came to, the, he got out of the Cuban prison and came to the U.S. to his brother's funeral. All of a sudden, I'm a pastor, so let's go target Rick and let's talk about marijuana because he spent all this time in a Cuban prison for trying to fly marijuana from into the United States. And his argument was, the Bible says, all herb-bearing plants were given for the benefit of man. All I was doing was trying to benefit man. Now, that's that's an extreme. So I'm just saying, my brothers and sisters who say, well, you know what? The, the Bible doesn't specifically say I can't ask an angel to do something. You're right, it doesn't. And if they choose to do so, go ahead. Fine. But I do know what the Bible says, how I can call forth angels without having to guess. And that is I just ask the Lord. Jesus said, I'll ask my father. I'll just ask the Lord. Let him come forth. But the important thing is we can call forth angels to minister and to war and to do whatever we want. Uh, not, not whatever we want. Because here's a lot of another knucklehead thing. I, I watched I watched the video this week, and I won't tell you the guy's name. He's really famous um, word-of-faith guy. And, and I didn't get through all 43 minutes of the teaching because I couldn't handle any more. But his teaching was how we can call upon angels to bring us wealth. Yeah. Taking scriptures, twisting them around, using the Bible, twisting them around to say we have so much authority if you need wealth, even the angels will bring it to you. We don't have that authority, okay? You know, I, I can't go to my to my friends <laughs> in third world countries and say, gosh, there must be so much sin in your life. You are so poor. I mean, we, we, how can we do that? And yet they're the ones that fight demons every day. You know, they're the ones that are believing God for a miracle every day so they have a cup of water. So all that to say that... Um, if you want to call forth angels in a situation, I think it's better to ask the Father to do it. But I'm not going to point a finger at you and say you're a heretic. Okay? So that's, that's where we stand on that. And so um, finally, the conclusion. Uh, it is possible that many of us have even encountered angels and not known about it. Hebrews 13.2. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I'll tell you another story of my brother, who's with Jesus now. But uh, when he was out in the, in the desert, and uh, he grew up in Apple Valley, so he's not as traumatized as I was growing up in Barstow. Um, but uh, one night when he's driving down one of those well-lit desert roads there was an older man hitchhiking, and he felt bad, and so he reached over to pick the guy up, and the guy asked him to take to a place, and and my brother's looking at his gas gauge and going, you know what, I don't have gas to get there. And uh, the guy says, I have to be there by such and such a time. And so my brother said, okay, hoping he would find a gas station on the way. So he kept going. The car went on empty. He drove all the way to where the guy wanted to go, he dropped the guy off he turned around to go to the gas station looked down and his needle was on full so angels pump gas too so we just need to know that's how, and, and you know, my brother and I had a conversation on this what was, what was the reason for him to pick up an angel in the middle of the desert and take him to a house Well, what it did was it increased my brother's faith, increased my faith, too. You know, to believe for things we wouldn't believe for and and to never let inconvenience be a reason not to do what God puts in our path to do. Because we never know. You know, I tell you that I never say no to a beggar. um, Part of it is I just don't find anything in the Bible that says I can say no. The other thing is this might be an angel, just see how I'm doing, you know, and uh, checking my attitude. I won't buy an angel a beer, but I will give you money. So um, so while the angels are real, we're not to become preoccupied with them or to worship them. Only God is worthy of our worship. Only Christ saves us. Trust him and him alone as our savior. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. We can take comfort in the fact that angels do exist. They serve both God, but ultimately our protection is from God and not from angels, but God uses them, hallelujah. They are real, no doubt. It's no stretch of the imagination to say each and every believer and each child before they reach the age of accountability is protected by them, but I believe that it's not just the age of accountability. And the reason I say that, we'll talk about that next week when we talk about guardian angels. Um, I'll just tell you in advance. I think we have guardian angels, so we'll just put it there, then I'll show you what the Bible says about it. Okay, so I know that's a lot of angel information, and that wasn't, you know, Bob walked in today and said, you're preaching today. I said, well, I'm kind of teaching today. And he said, no, you preach and teach, so you're peaching. So uh, whatever it was I'm doing today, uh, I just want us to have understanding of what God has entrusted to us, what we can call upon with him, and and that spiritual warfare is, is real. And I believe we're moving into a day and an hour that... Um, the warfares get more intense, and we're going to see more and more angelic miracles. And we're going to learn to call God to ask to send him. And I had two women raise their hands, so we'll go Delia first. Oh, <laughs> Sheila wanted to tell me that Delia raised her hand. So you have an angel over here, Delia, who's watching out for you. I just wanted to say that every night before I go to bed, I uh, ask the Father to send his angels to guard my house, send my doors and my windows. And uh, that's what I do every night before I go to bed because uh, the devil just goes around seeing who he may destroy. So I said, Lord, send me your angels to guard my house, cover my house with the precious blood. Amen. And can I tell you, 100%, God answers that prayer. You know, 100%. That's why before we get in the car and we drive, we say, Lord, protect us. I think we have that that bubble that kept all that glass off those kids. I think I got that on my car. And here's the other thing. This is for free. Then you go, so what if you die in a car accident? Where is the bubble? You know, my Bible says it's appointed every man to die once, so it's just my time. You know, God's used me, and that's his way to take me, and that's it. It's not because he didn't protect me. It's because my days, my numbers came to an end. And it's going to happen to all of us eventually, unless Jesus shows up and does otherwise. So, Father, thank you for your love for us. I'm asking God that we walk today in the knowledge of angels. I know there's some in this room that see angels often. I try really hard not to covet, and I have to repent often because I don't see angels. Um, but, God, I'm so grateful that we know that you send angels to minister to us, over us, to fight for us, to speak to us, to protect us, to do battle, all these things that we see. And I just pray, God, that we will not shrink back because people are going to think, what are you doing talking about angels? God, it's, all, it's your word. It's what your word says. It's who we are. It's what's been entrusted to us. And we thank you for it, and we walk in it. And uh, we just ask in Jesus' name, that we walk in complete authority through the cross and through everything that's been given to us because of the cross. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.